Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride Hey, Shyhards, welcome to episode 145 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today we're going to revisit an old episode for the first time in our history, actually. We've never done this before. We've never recovered an episode that we've covered before, but we are going to take a second look at Chicago PD season six, episode 13, called Night in Chicago. Um, as always, you guys know me. I'm Gina. Brian is here, too. Hello. We actually have some news. I know it's like wild. I know. I just yeah, it, it it just feels like we're stuck in this just like never-ending void that is 2020 and just like nothing's going on ever. Just get me out of 2020 already. Right? Right? Get like, me out of 2020. So ready just for the year to be done. Oh yeah. 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 And like the, every new month that starts it's just like more fear cuz we're just like oh god, now what? Now what? I know. I, like, was joking with one of some of my friends, because I just turned 25 on Saturday, and, like, I'm just, like, I just want to read you already on 25. Like, I don't care how the rest of 2020 goes, or even, like, the first half of 2021 goes. Like, I don't care. Just give me a redo on 25. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to redo. I feel bad for the teenagers who have had these major life moments taken away for the, from them or altered in the traditional sense. I feel really bad for them. Yeah, it's it's definitely a memorable, those experiences would be memorable for them, but not necessarily for the reasons I think everyone would want them to be memorable. Right, right. So it's a crazy world we're living in. Just, I don't know. I'm, I'm out of like quirky, eloquent things to say about it other than just like, this here sucks. It really sucks. Yeah. But I guess on, on a positive note, right, we have each other. As a certain Dancing yes. with the Stars pro said. Yes! Oh my god, Gina got me the best birthday gift ever, and I love it so much. <laughs> I don't know what I thought you were going to, like, send me when you were like, oh, it's coming this week, and I was like, okay. And then you were like, later that day, you were like, surprise, it came early. I was like, huh? <laughs> it was great. So, for Bryna's birthday, I got her a cameo from Dancing with the Stars pro, Sasha Farber. And... Sasha was amazing, dude. He, like, he, I requested it, and he did it within two hours. And he rambled for, like, a good solid three minutes. Because that's what I love about people who actually put in, like, sometimes I'll just scroll through Cameo to see, like, how much people cost and, like, whether I think that's worth it or not. And, like, sometimes I'll watch some of their videos and, like, look at how long they are. And I'm like, okay, well, if they're going to talk for, like, three, three and a half minutes, then, like, it's probably worth it. The people who are worth like a hundred dollars and give you like twenty seconds, I'm like, why? Like that's not really worth it, <laughs> personally I, to me. I did do so a couple months back when quarantine first started. Cameo was donating all of their proceeds, and I definitely purchased a Joey Fatone cameo for myself, and I regret nothing, yeah. nothing. Well, at least he talked for like a minute, though, right? Like minute, minute and a half. But for two hundred yeah, bucks, I was fine. like, this is going to charity. Just remember that, Gina. I think the one that told you about Joey Fatone being on Cameo. You were, actually. It was Chris Kirkpatrick who you told me about. And then I was like, I've met him, though. Let's see what other in-syncers are on Cameo. 
Yeah, I told you somebody from NSYNC was on Cameo, but I was like, yep, so that one's my fault, so I take blame for that, but which is fine. But, like, there are just some people are, like, I'll scroll through, and, like, I love going through the Bachelor ones, even though I haven't bought one ever for myself yet, but I just love going to see and be like, mm, you were only on the show for, like, two weeks. Are you really worth $50? No. <laughs> and it's just, like, I just love going through it. Like, honestly, it's, like, pure entertainment for me. It's really fun. I definitely looked at the Bachelor cameos, and the only person I knew for sure that you liked was Tyler. And he's not even on Cameo. So I was like, well, that's out the window. So because I didn't yeah. want to get you somebody and be like, Gina, oh, my God, that guy was such an asshole. Like, <laughs> it would have been awkward. Yeah. But, but no, but your Sasha one was great. Sasha's Cameo was so sweet, too. And he did say he's like, you guys have each other and that's special. And we were like, we know, Sasha. Thank you. It was but, just so great. I just yeah. I loved everything about it. It was the perfect birthday gift. Yay. I'm glad you liked it. Yay. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, on a positive note, we do all have each other. We have our reruns to keep us happy. We have, you know, whatever you're doing for self-care. It's just important to kind of keep yourself together in this time. Okay, question on the reruns, though. Now that I'm, like, home a lot more often with, like, out really much work to do and, Mm -hmm. like, I'm about to be home, you know, without any work for a while, what days does PD air on TV? Like, like I have no idea. Okay, I'm gonna have to like really look and like make sure be like, okay, on Mondays it's on this channel, on Tuesdays it's on this. I just like every time I look for it or try to search it, I can't find it. I'm like, it's gotta be on somewhere, and I just can't find it. (laughs) I want to say it's like every day except for maybe like Wednesday and Friday because that's just SVU. But like Mondays you'll find it on USA. The next day it'll be on like KDFI if you even have that. The day after it'll be Oxygen. It's always on like different. It's a different channel every day, but it, it's pretty much on, like, every single day. My mom used to have that scheduled down, but I just need to figure it out. Because I'm about to be home organizing the, my life for the next, like, <laughs> forever. So oh I'm going to need something to watch. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we do have some news, as we were saying. Um, NBC did release their fall schedule last week, which was surprising. I was, you know, when you sent me that link, I was like, they did what now? I know. I'm kind of, I mean, I'm glad to know, but like, I don't know. I, I, it was interesting. I'm trying to think, oh, yesterday during the variety TV show thing, I was watching the panel with a bunch of heads and NBC wasn't on, but the ABC one was Carrie Burke. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how the, they were very specific with the word choice they used and called it a premiere schedule, not a fall schedule, because they're not sure it's meant intended to be for the fall, but they're not actually sure if they're going to get on in the fall. And I feel like that's what NBC should have done, because, like, I don't think these shows are really going to get on. And if they do, it's going to be, like, October or November, at least. I keep seeing people put these schedules out, and every time some sort of schedule comes out, I just look at it with a grain of salt, because nothing has gone according to plan this year. I feel like Fox and the CW are the only ones that made schedules, like, smartly because they're the – they push everything back. Mm-hmm. Like, everything that's, like, normally airs in the fall is pushed back to spring. And, like, Fox took some of their summer shows that were supposed to be airing now and pushed them to the fall mm-hmm. because they knew they would have, like, content then. Yeah. Like, new content for the fall. And I was like, that is smart. And, like, obviously I kind of wish all my CW shows were coming back in the fall, but, like – I understand the choice to just go ahead and say, nope, at least January before they come back on the air. That's what I'm, I'm mentally preparing for when Chicago to return in 2021. 
I mean, regardless of the announcement, if they come back in the fall, I'll be so happy. But mentally, I'm just prepping for everything to come back in 2021. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, at least we know, too, like, whenever the Chicago shows come back, they're still going to do one Chicago Wednesday because obviously that's a cornerstone of their schedule and mm-hmm. every it's so successful. So, like, that's good to know, I guess. But, yeah. I, it's just a weird time. It's the weirdest time. The weirdest time. So, um. We had the Wizard World panel this year. Talk about something coming from out of the blue. So Wizard World has been doing these virtual cons throughout quarantine, and they've just been different panels from different shows. So like this week, they had a Gotham panel. I think they had one for Legacies. Um, And they had a One Chicago panel that we did not find out about until about like three days before. Um, Well, a Chicago Fire and a Chicago PD panel. There was no med representation on this panel, so not a one Chicago panel. Correct, you are. Yeah, it was just Fire and PD, no med. But it was mostly alums with a couple of current cast members. So from Fire, you had Kara, Randy, Teddy Sears, who played the chaplain, Brittany Curran, played Katie Severide, and Miranda, and then from PD, you had John and you had Samuel Hunt. Samuel Hunt, our precious little mouse. And so it was an interesting, it was an hour. And it was, it was, it was just, it was pleasant. Like there was nothing juicy that happened. It was just very pleasant, very nice. Yeah, it was just very, you know, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't expect them to get into like in-depth character things, like questions that I would have loved to know the answer to. Like it was just very basic, mm-hmm. um, but it was just nice to, you know, like, actually hear from people live and like to see John like I never thought John was gonna have anything to do with one Chicago ever again and like to see him on this panel I was like oh this is nice I guess things are like relatively good I nobody still really knows why John left but like who knows so it was a fest too I loved that so speaking of John being on there I mean Miranda took a minute to acknowledge that you know, without John, there would be no franchise because he was the original crossover character. Yeah, I and something I wish people would acknowledge more because like they I that's what we've talked about this many times. I'm not going to go into it, but like that's why I just feel like they did John and Antonio dirty the way that ended. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Without John, there is no franchise more than any other character on these shows. Without John, there is no franchise. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. So. Um, other little tidbits here. So Miranda was originally only slated to do six episodes. Could you imagine? Like she did six episodes and left. Well, to think how the show would have turned or been if she wasn't here. I can't imagine the show without her. Yeah, and like you wonder what stories come. Like, is Anna still? Or you know, does Anna die tragically from camp? You know, it's like all these things that like it's just weird to think about. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Miranda was only slated to do six episodes. Sam had originally auditioned for Ruzik. I love thinking about that. That's wild to think about. Sweet, precious baby mouse could have been Ruzik. <laughs> crazy. So crazy. So crazy. And then Brittany had originally auditioned for Lindsay. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, like, Sophia Bush is Aaron Lindsay, but, like, that's not far-fetched for me to think about. No, but it's just funny. It's really funny. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and that was the Wizard World panel. Again, it was very pleasant, just an hour, just very nice, and that was it. They camped out a lot on what it was like training for the show, and that was cool. And Yeah, nothing juicy, but yeah. yeah. 
Last bit of news we have is an article from the Chicago Tribune. Brian, will you take us through this one? Yeah, so basically it's all about the fact that movies movies and TV shows can resume filming in Illinois with limits starting today when you're listening to this, today being Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically just saying, like, you know, movies and TV shows will be allowed to shoot in Illinois as soon as Friday if their production operates at no more than half the capacity of the soundstage or filming location and crowd scenes are limited to 50 people. And then it just keeps going further and further into, like, more specific guidelines but i i mean obviously that's not saying that like the one chicago shows are starting next week because i don't know exactly who gives them the green light but i'm assuming the network and the production company like all those things dick wolf like i'm sure all those have to give be given the green light first Mm -hmm. before obviously they start filming so like that doesn't mean we're getting these shows starting soon but like it's a good sign yeah yeah, it's a good sign. And so so crowd scenes are limited to 50 people. So it's the crew plus 50. Yes. That sounds risky. Well, well, no, I don't I don't know. Because if you were saying that, like, if the production can operate at no more than half the capacity of the soundstage, then, like, wouldn't that be? I don't know. I guess maybe it is crew plus 50. But I would assume, and obviously I'd have to go back and read this further, but, like, I'm assuming they're going to be, like, testing you as soon as you walk in. And, like, especially when if you're dealing with extras or, like, other people. Like, I'm sure you can't just, like, walk in free willy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird time we're living in. I know. It was really interesting. Did you get to finish listening to the variety panel with... um, NK and Greg Rolanti yesterday. I didn't get to finish it, no, because I was doing it in the middle of working, and so the phone was ringing, and yeah. It was just really interesting to hear them talk about, like, obviously a lot of this stuff, um, and from, like, the production side, too. And even the yesterday, I also watched the panel with, um, it was, like, all the heads of a bunch of different networks. So it's, like, ABC, like, President of Entertainment at NBC, Fox, Univision, OWN. And there's something else, one other network I think I'm the same. But yeah, so it was just really interesting to hear from like those perspectives yesterday on like trying to get back to somewhat normalcy, but like or a new normal, I guess. It's not gonna be ever what it was, but yeah. Yeah. So crazy. So ugh. um that's about all we've got for the news. You guys know the drill. If you see anything, just send it to us. You're really good about that and we do appreciate it. Um and you guys know how to get it to us. So um, however you see it would be great. So um, yeah, let's let's move into this episode. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. So again, we're revisiting an episode for the first time in our history. We've never done this before where we've recovered an episode we've already covered once before. So um, the conversation keeps going. Um, I keep seeing posts on my friend's Instagrams that are saying, you know, hey, Black Lives Matter, even if your social media feed has returned to normal shake it up like and that yep. is completely true and so we want to continue the conversation we don't want to just gloss things over and cover a happy episode we want to you know keep talking about this and and learn from it about how we can be better allies and how we can better educate ourselves moving forward so that is why we've decided to revisit this episode um and i mean again 
we are two white women. We recognize that our voices are not the best ones to be listening to in this instance, but we are trying our best, just like everybody else, to listen and learn and and apply that, apply those skills and apply what we learn to how we live our lives going forward. So, yeah. Um, I want to start with what you had said before we started recording that we didn't necessarily go hard enough the first time we covered this episode. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to finish listening to like our whole section on that we did in episode 93. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was 93 or something in that time. Um, but yeah, like I started listening to it and honestly, it was a little hard to watch, listen to because I was like why are we not saying certain things, you know, like, and I guess it's a, in hindsight, I guess it's a good thing that, like, we've both come so far, and, like, we both have a better understanding, and we've become better allies in the past year, and maybe even just in the past few months, that we realize that, like, what we said a year ago, or a little bit over a year ago now, is, like, not okay, Um, And not that we said anything bad, but just, like, we weren't harsh enough on Voight, which is a whole thing that you and I both really want to get to later. Um, But, like, I just feel like, in one ways, it's a good thing that we can recognize the progress that we both made. But, like, yeah, we just did not go hard enough on Voight, really, is, like, where it really lies. And, I mean, I remember remember getting the screener for this episode. I remember watching it early, and I, I remember feeling absolutely like gobsmacked that I just yeah I I feel like it was just kind of like a ton of bricks that were dumped on us and I was just like oh my god I was like they just handed us something so big and so monumental that I feel like for me at least I had the subject matter in my hands and was like oh god what do I do with this oh my god and it was just so big that it I I mean I'm not going to speak for you but it rendered me almost speechless yeah, when I think I remember, too, like, we got that episode early, and I remember we were trying so hard. Like, we spent, we had a lot of conversations about, like, what is the best way to cover this episode? Like, because we were trying to get LaRoyce, and LaRoyce wasn't available to do an interview about it. And we were just like, how do we handle this? Mm-hmm. Like, as two white women, how do we handle this episode? Yeah. Um, and so, like, I think we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to handle it, and, like, whether it was right that we just talked about it ourselves, and maybe not enough time, like, actually on thinking critically about what we were seeing. I mean, what we saw. I mean, obviously, we understand the importance of the episode. Um, but, like, now, and I think, too, just a lot has changed. And I think I've learned a lot in the past year and especially in a lot in the past, like, month, month and a half. And, you know, I think you have, too. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like I said, in hindsight, I think it's good that we can listen back to that episode or that portion of the episode and be like, wow, like we should have gone harder. And like now we're ready to like, I think that, and like rewatching it, this is the first time. I mean, obviously I rewatched it when we did episode the end, you know, the season finale of this season. Um, But even then I was more watching just to figure out storylines and like connect the two storylines. Like I wasn't necessarily paying attention to being like critical about it, but this time when I rewatched it, I was like, wow, like, yeah, it's, there's a lot that, I mean, we'll talk about it. 
I'm gonna I, save some I of it, feel but like we'll talk about it. in rewatching this episode now, I feel like it's crystal clear to me. Like everything makes perfect sense and it's crystal clear what is wrong in this episode. Whereas the first time it was just a lot. Yeah, well, I think, too, we went really hard on Kelton on the, in the last episode, which, like, two things, the last time we discussed it, which, like, twofold, Kelton is still the worst in the fact that he's still a thing in this episode. Like, ugh, I hate it. Hate it so much. But that's just, like, me hating Kelton in that whole storyline. So, like, hate Kelton. But also, too, like, I don't think Kelton, I mean, Kelton deserves some of the blame for what he said and the way he handled things, because I don't think that was completely right. But, like, I think Voight deserves a lot more of the blame, and we didn't touch on that at all. One of the things that I really do like about this episode, looking back on it now, especially with like a new lens and a new perspective on things, is I really like the way they set it up with all the different perspectives. Like I think they did a really good job on hitting the issue from like all different sides. Like Voight has the one way, which I think is completely wrong as a person and individual, but like Voight has his perspective on it. And Kevin as like, the black cop and the one who was there on the scene has his perspective and at Ruzik has his perspective and Kelton has it. Like, I just think they hit all the different angles. And I think the way they set it up was really well done. Right. Right. And so, I mean, the, the recap, I mean, we all remember this episode, but basically the way this goes down is that Atwater's undercover. He is trying to bring down Phil Gamble. Gamble's a big crime boss and Gamble's right hand, Daryl, is very strict, very straight-laced. He's very cautious about who he lets in. Kevin finally finds a way to break him down, and that's through his little brother, Vance. And so Kev sets up a deal with a buyer. The buyer's Antonio. And they go back later that night to finish the deal, and Daryl and Kevin get pulled over by two white cops, one of whom is Officer Doyle, who we saw return in the season finale for this past season. And it right from the get go is it, it's a it's a bad traffic stop. They had absolutely no reason to pull them over. Um, things escalate almost immediately. Um, Doyle forces them both out of the car. Kev gets handcuffed. And as they're leading Kev to the patrol car, Kevin can't say who he is because he can't bust his cover. Um, there's a confrontation between Daryl and Doyle. And all we see is Kevin. But we hear two gunshots. And that's that. And I remember hearing those gunshots the first time and just feeling just sick to my stomach. Yeah. But even like going back, so obviously like that's like the basic of the episode, right? And then the whole rest of that's like the first half. And then the second half is obviously dealing with the aftermath and like, what does Kevin do? Like, you know, he has to give statements, but like he doesn't really know how he wants to give his statements. Like that's kind of the whole second half of the episode. But even like going back to like as soon as Doyle and whatever the other guy's name is, the other white cop, like when they pull him over, like even just from the get go, the way they handle that situation is so wrong. I mean, first of all, Kevin and Daryl shouldn't have been pulled over in the first place because there was no reason for them to be pulled over. But like even aside from that fact, like, you know, they're like, oh, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're going to visit a friend. And Kevin's like, oh, his name's Diego. And Doyle's like, oh, two brothers visiting a Diego? Like, doesn't ring true, homie. Just, like, blatant racism just, like, right there. So blatant. So blatant. And when Daryl's like, can you tell me why you pulled me over? Like, Daryl or Kevin asks why they got pulled over. And Doyle's just like, no, like, put your hands up. I'm not taking any questions. But the big thing 
to point out that I see crystal clear this time that I did not see last time is that Voight is not an active ally in this episode. Not once, not even for a minute is he an active ally in this episode. Nope. He decides to let the whole situation play out, but like multiple times he could have stopped it. Like at first, I think it's Jay who's in like a separate car from Voight is like, yo, like what do we do? And Voight's like, yeah, just let it play out. And then like a second time, Ruzik's like, oh, like I guess Ruzik's like around the corner or something. He's like, am I supposed to go in? Like, what do we do? Like, you know, this isn't going good, boss. And Voight's like, no, just let it play out. Kevin can handle it, which like, Kevin can't handle it. I'm not sitting here doubting Kevin, but like Voight, you could have stopped the whole situation. It's not even that he could have, it's that he should have. Right. And, like, something that was really clear to me this time around, too, but, like, that I didn't think about the first time was, like, at what point is bringing Gamble down more important than stopping this incident from happening? Because, like, obviously, you don't know whether the situation is going to escalate the way it did, Mm -hmm. but, like, it should have never even gotten to that point. So, like, you should have stopped it way before that. But, yeah. like, at what point is bringing Gamble down for, like, some drugs, like, more important than stopping, stopping this incident? It's, it, it blows my mind. Th- that point is the whole episode. It is never, it's never more, imp- I think it, the, only re- the only time it ever becomes more important that Daryl is killed is when he's killed. Because then Voight and company are just like, oh, well, now we have a crisis on our hands. You wouldn't have had a crisis on your hands if you had valued Daryl's life enough to intervene and stop what happened. Right. And I get to that, like, Voight wanted to, like, not put Kevin in harm's way. I get that. I really do. But, like, you're telling me you're okay with, like, essentially an innocent man's blood on your hands? Yeah. I, Indirectly, yeah. but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's essentially on Voight's hands because he didn't stop it. And he very well could have. Daryl's blood is 100% on Hank's hands because it was his call and he did nothing because he wanted to get Gamble more than he wanted to ensure the safety of his own officer and a CI. Right. Like, you knew that, like, as soon as Doyle starts, like, shoving Kev and tells the other officer to, like, shut him up and put him in the back of the car and, like, Daryl and Doyle get into the yelling match and Daryl's like, you know, get your black ass on your knees right now. Like, all that stuff. Like, Boyd knew where this was going. Like, I am very, I'm 100% convinced Boyd could tell where this was going. Right, right. Like, he, yeah. They, they had to know it in the back of their mind, but also I think this is where privilege comes into play, where in their minds, they're not realizing the real danger that Kevin and Daryl are both in in this moment. Yeah, for sure. And so when Kevin gets out of the patrol car and he goes, he gets in the car with Voight and Kim, uh, I think when Kevin's just like, he only pulled us over for driving while being black, I think he says that and it falls on deaf ears. Um, I don't think Voight or Kim realize the the danger that black men are in simply when they are pulled over by police, that their lives are in danger simply from being pulled over. Yeah. Well, even like before that, too, it's why I think it's something I never really noticed before. But like right after they shoot, Daryl mm-hmm. uh, and the other officer has like Kevin with his hands behind his back like with his head face down on the head like the hood of the car like 
and he's trying not to cry. Like, I think that's such a powerful moment to me. Mm -hmm. And something I don't even think I realized the first time I watched this episode. But, like, rewatching it again this time when you see Kevin trying not to cry, but, like, his head is pushed down against the hood of the car. I was like, wow. Like, wow. Yeah. Because he's staring right at Daryl's body in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like, Daryl's body laying there, him bleeding out. And, like, I don't know what Doyle is doing in that moment, but probably freaking the fuck out, as he should. And, like, that was just such a powerful moment to me. I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, big time, big time. And seeing seeing the way that Atwater and Doyle interacted, it makes me curious as to what filming was like between LaRoyce and the actor who played Doyle. Um, you know, if, if they just kind of both were acknowledged like, hey, this is really difficult material. Like, let's just give it our all. Um, or if, you know, they were so in character that they kept it kind of frosty. I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. But something that really still doesn't get me either and something I think we like kind of we kind of touched on a little bit but like so basically once Doyle shoots Daryl like he and the other officer start oh well, the other officer starts chewing Doyle out while Kevin's sitting in the back of the police car and then the intelligence rolls up and Boyd's like telling the rest of intelligence he's like I want to keep Atwater's cover intact and Jay's like what the fuck why like not he's like sarge but like basically jay's being like what the fuck like why are we doing that Mm -hmm. and that's my point like what good is that gonna do at this point what keeping kevin's cover in time exactly exactly right like what good is that like you already what i mean doyle already shot daryl daryl's dead like that part's not gonna get out into the world like i mean i would get out that like kevin was with him you know when he died but like not that kevin cop like I just like what was the point of that? Like, what's the point of them still keeping Kevin's cover intact? Yeah, and and the way Voight handles this call and insists upon, you know, keeping Kevin's cover and whatever. The way he handles this call is the reason you've got police departments like Minneapolis enacting these new laws where officers have a duty to intervene. Yeah, that is the reason. It's because of the way you know. I mean, the, these are the reasons why because. In a perfect world, what would have happened is they got pulled over, and if Voight wasn't getting involved, if Voight was telling everybody to stand down, in a perfect world, what would happen is Adam would defy orders and insert himself into the situation and use his privilege to defuse the situation and protect Kevin and Daryl. Right. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. Hank Hank's actions in this episode are really problematic. Really, really problematic. One... Th- And the thing, too, that I think, especially in this particular moment, the thing that I think by him choosing to keep Atwater's cover intact and just going along with the situation, like he's just some police officer that just happened to roll upon the scene. It's like doing Doyle and this guy a favor by taking Kevin off their hands to book him. Like, that just feeds into Doyle's racist personality even more. Like, it doesn't say, like, hey, like, what you did is wrong. Like, that's not a good idea. I heard your whole thing over the walkie-talkie, and, like, that's not cool. Because even after this whole moment, like, Doyle claims that Daryl reached for his gun and, like, that he was in fear of his life, and Voight takes Kevin off his hand, and Doyle says to Voight, he's like, make sure you ride him up good talking about Kevin. Like, he was belligerent and disorderly. Like... So racist. Oh, beyond racist. I mean, beyond racist. And and but by Voight not speaking up about it, Voight is just like letting him be racist. They, yeah, there's 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 two problems here. I mean, Doyle's the first problem, obviously, but the second problem is Voight, hands down. Right. Yeah. And so, 
Yeah, I mean, I think Voight, Voight completely just lets Kevin down. And so the other thing that really bothers me is when Voight bails Kevin out, you know, and I use that with air quotes because obviously they just had to do it for show. And Kev's like, I'm ready to go. Let's go. And Voight essentially tells him, like, you've got to keep it together. You've got to stay calm and keep your head on straight. That is completely dismissive of everything Atwater is feeling, everything Atwater just went through. The team does not realize that Kevin just went through a trauma. Yeah. When Kevin even says Voight, like as soon as he walks out, like Voight saying that to him and Kevin's like, I don't want to calm down. Like, I don't want to make sense of all this because like what just happened can't keep happening. Like it's got to stop. Mm-hmm. And Voight doesn't even say like, yeah, I agree. Voight's just like, okay, like, Pull it together, you know, you got to speak down. to COPA. He's just like, you got to speak to COPA and whatever, IR, whatever the acronyms are, but like, and it's just like, really, Voight? Like, that's not how I would have handled this situation. I don't know how I would have handled it, but not like that. Right, right. Because to, to, to Voight and to the other members of intelligence who are, you know, mostly all white, this is just another call that went sideways. But to Kevin, this is a very traumatic, pivotal moment in his life, in his career. And they just don't get it. No, I think the only one who gets it, I mean, this happens at the end of the episode, so we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I think the only one that gets it, I mean, semi gets it, is Ruzik. Because Ruzik and him have that conversation. um, And where Ruzik's like, I don't get it, but like, you know, I'm here for you, whatever. But like, and we'll talk about that at the end, but like, Ruzik's the only one who even like seemingly gets it. And granted, like, we don't know what Jay and Burgess and Upton and... Antonio are thinking because like we don't really see them in this episode at all Mm -hmm. unless it's in like the you know like action scenes that everyone's in so like I don't want to say like sit here and be like they don't get it like they're not you know they're racist because they don't like they're (laughs) just going with what says like we don't see them at all to like really know what they're getting yeah um but like yeah it's just not necessarily a good look either. No, I mean, it, it's a terrible look. It's a terrible look. And I mean, I imagine with Hank, or not Hank, with Jay and Haley and Burgess and everybody, I imagine that's just a time issue where, you know, under normal circumstances, right. 100% they have Kev's back. Uh, For sure. Yeah. But, you For know, sure. there's 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 different perspectives that they show us after this shooting. And it's, it's you know, like Brian was saying, they show us Kevin, they show us Kelton, they show us Price, they show us Voight. And so... With Kelton, I mean, he's angry, but I feel like, I feel like he makes good points, but I feel like his anger is misdirected. I agree, and I never thought I would say I would agree with Kelton, but I do this time around. We did it in the first time we did this, we were like, Kelton is wrong, what is he talking about, blah, 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 it's not Kevin's fault, which it's not Kevin's fault. No. And I, like, I disagree with Kelton on that, like, it's not Kevin's fault, and I don't think it should have been on Kevin to stop this whole situation. Right. I think it was on Voight. It was and like like you said, his Voight. anger is misdirected on Voight. Um, because like he Kelton's all about like how how could he have played it right when we have one dead black kid? And he has his line about like a smart cop is supposed to make sure a guy doesn't get shot. Like that's what a smart cop is supposed to do. And this time around I was like, Yeah, that's what Voight was supposed to do. Yeah, the the smart cop was not supposed to be Kevin was supposed to be worried about being under. He wasn't supposed to be worried about, you know, anything more than that this is on this is on hank 100 percent on right. hank. well and he was trying to make sure obviously that like both him and daryl stayed alive but like he was also trying to make sure that he didn't get shot either exactly and and they don't realize how that, that's the other thing too is i don't think the team realizes how you know it could have been kevin just as easily as it was daryl yeah and i mean i'm kind of i mean 
and yeah, I, I lost for words, but yeah, very yeah. easily. And and that's the thing, and that's the other thing that drives me nuts about this episode is that Kevin is speaking his truth. He is saying all of these things. He's saying, this is how I'm feeling. This is what happened. You saw it. Everything that I'm saying is completely the truth. And everything he says just falls on deaf ears. Yeah. Especially with Voight. I mean, the Voight stuff, like some of the things Voight says, I was just like, did that really actually come out of your mouth right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so basically, like, switching the voice. Because, like, Kelton's, like, around. That's probably much only the Kelton scene you get is that, like, he thinks it should have been on Kevin. I think part of what he says is right. But, like, again, we both agree that, like, his anger is misdirected. Mm-hmm. But then you go into Voight. And Voight, I don't... Voight just has all these things that he says that I was just like, why did you just say that? I get I get that Voight's trying to be neutral and trying to be like, the facts matter. Only the facts. The facts. The facts. The facts. But, like... It just comes off, A, like you said, as not being an ally, but B, just so insensitive. Oh, so Not insensitive. even just to what Kevin's going through, but what Daryl and Daryl's family and Daryl's loved ones are going through. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, to Voight says, like, to Kevin after checking out on him, like, they're having that talk, I guess, after Voight or Kevin comes out of one of his meetings or whatever. And he's like, what happened last night was unfortunate. Unfortunate? The fuck? And yeah. Kevin at one point even, like, counters, and he's like, no, it was not unfortunate. That was murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was murder. That was not unfortunate. People who called him fortunate are, like, those racist people that are just being like, well, actually, like, like you said, like, all lives matter. And it's just like, unfortunate. Here, calling right? that unfortunate is, like, that's, like, political speak. That's, like, you know. Right. Yeah. That's Kelton speak. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's it's such it's such a bad look. It's such a bad look, and I feel like and the entire time, Void is not Void is never once concerned with how Kevin is doing. Void is only concerned with making sure that the cops look good. Well, and he's also so concerned about Phil Gamble going down for this murder and like what Daryl did being so bad. Which like yeah, obviously they were selling drugs. Like, you know they were harming kids. Like you know, selling drugs to kids and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that's not good. Mm-hmm. But, like, when Voight has this line, too, about how, like, I'll tell you what, Daryl definitely isn't one of us. Like, that's stone-cold criminal or whatever. I'm like, how can you literally think about, like, still bringing down Phil Gamble and, like, that whole case right now? Like, how? Yeah. A man, an innocent man just lost his life the day before, and your officer that you've had under his wing the whole time witnessed it in person, and it was almost him, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how can you be thinking about the case right now? And especially a case that you don't even really have personal ties to. Like, you were trying to take Gamble down, and then uh, Price was like, oh, you should actually also take Daryl down. Like, Daryl's just as bad, blah, blah, blah. Here's all the information I know. Like, it's really Price's enemies, not yours. Mm -hmm. So, like, why are you so obsessed with this case? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It just, like... Just makes me so mad. It made me so much more mad watching it this time around. Oh, same, same. And rewatching it, I wanted to text you and be like, let's go right now. Like, I am ready to scream. Like, let's roll. And there's that. Yeah, like, you know how, like, that goes with us. Like, remember that one time? I don't even remember what finale it was, but we were like, we got to go right now. And we ran it for, like, 45 minutes. And we were like, yeah, we can't use any of this. It was uh, when Antonio left and Ruzik went to jail. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that is finale. 20 I minutes of audio 
that nobody will ever hear because it has been deleted. It is out in like the the abyss of like deleted audio. I may still have it somewhere, but like I don't know where it is. So, it's yeah. literally just twenty minutes of me like rage screaming and being like, "Fuck Antonio!" and Brian being like, "Let it out, Gina." Yeah. Yeah, but no, but that's what I'm saying. Like that would not have gone, especially with this episode, that would not have gone over well. No, no, it really wouldn't have. No, but I, and when Kevin even looks at Hank and he's like, I'll tell you what, he's like, Daryl definitely ain't one of us. Like that is a stone cold criminal. Kevin sang it from the rooftops about Doyle from this episode on, sang it from the rooftops. He could have just flown around a helicopter with the message hanging off the back of the plane and nobody believed him until the season seven finale. Yep. That is wrong. That is wrong. Voight failed Outwater in this episode. Big time failed yeah. him. Big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was pushing facts, 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 which, like, I get, right? And obviously, like, you have to tell Kevin that, like, yeah, he should probably go watch the video to make sure that, like, his story is, you know, like, what actually happened and he's just not fueled with anger. Like, mm-hmm. I get that. But, like the way he said it and like the fact that that was basically one of the first things he said is like where not being a true ally shows like his true color show yeah and in the season seven finale he even has that moment with the guy uh the the head of doyle's unit and he says he's like kevin outwater's a son to me it's like how can you say that but also not even once ask him like how are you when this is going down now granted i realize one happened after the other but still right it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have Alderman Price. And I don't even think Price handles this perfectly. No, for sure. Because Price is basically telling him to lie for the greater good. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's saying, like, hopefully that what you saw is what I'm telling you to say. Like, you saw what I'm telling you to say. So, like, if it happens to be true, it happens to be true. But in this case, it's not. And so, basically, Alderman Price is telling him to lie for the greater good. Yeah, he's basically... the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, he's basically saying, like, you know, alter the narrative a little bit so I get elected. It's basically what he's saying. He's basically saying, be a Jesse Smollett. Oh, my God. Yes. Like, I literally was just thinking about that because I was thinking about Bubba Wallace, and I was like, but that actually ended up being accurate. So it's not a Jesse, the Bubba Wallace, it's not a Jesse Smollett, but he's basically telling Kevin to be a Jesse Smollett. Somewhat of a Jesse Smollett. He's, he's basically telling him to really pour it on thick and play up the murder for even more than it was. Um, yep. Jesse Smollett. <laughs> unfortunately. For the sole purpose of getting Price elected. I mean, and well, like... at this point, Price isn't even like running he's like this is what price this is why price decides to run for mayor he's like this is the thing that's gonna get us elected right um i don't think you're like i understand his intentions are good like price's intentions were always good right like he's always been someone who's for the community Mm -hmm. but like that's not the way you convince someone either and you don't word it like that no that doesn't make you any better right right you know another thing about price Say it again. He's just exploiting the movement. He is. But uh, so there's a moment after after the shooting happens and Voight talks to Kelton. Voight is leaving the station. This is going back a little bit. Voight's leaving the station and you've got basically prices in front of the station leading a Black Lives Matter chant. And in that moment, 
the way Voight looks at Price, he looks at him like, really, you're making this worse right now. And that is just more of Voight's privilege in this moment because he doesn't realize that the shooting has spawned a completely different thing than taking down Gamble. There is now a completely different issue at play, but Voight can't see past the Gamble of it all. He right. just looks at Price and is like, you're making this all worse, not even realizing there's a whole nother issue at play. But that's what I'm saying. It's like he's so obsessed with the gamble of it all, but he only has the gamble of it all and the Daryl of it all because of Price. Yeah. It's not like this is per- Voight's personal vendetta against Gamble. Like, even then, I feel like yeah, Voight's personal vendetta against Gamble is a little extreme to still be thinking about right now, but at least understand the motive for going after him so hard. Mm-hmm. Like, they basically, like, as soon as they finish up the thing, too, like, it ends just so, like, easy. I mean, relatively easily, you know, like, Gamble agrees to do, you know, finish the buy that Daryl didn't do. And then, like, he goes and gets the uh, heroin, and then, like, they're all there, and they take him down so easily. I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> like, that was that? Like, well, because I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, that wasn't that wasn't the main objective of the episode. The main objective was to. But that's to, the point. Yeah. But that's the point. Yeah. Right? Is that, like, Gamble was so not worrying, mattering, mattering about, but Voight cared so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Voight cared more about keeping up appearances. Right. And, and like, getting the finish, job done. He, yeah, from start to finish. He, I don't, like, I think maybe once he asked Kevin, like, how are you doing? But... It's about it. And Kevin had so much poise in this episode. And he had so many feelings and emotions that he bottled in. And it just breaks my heart when I see it because he has just gone through something so horrible. Yet he can't talk to his co-workers about it. He can't talk to his friends about it because they just don't get it. Yeah. And I think, too, it hurt him more. Like, once they get Gamble, Gamble says to him, like, he's like, you know, you're worse than the cop that pulled the trigger, Kev. And I think that really was what got him and why he started, like, analyzing the tape right away and being like, you know, was what Doyle did right? What, you know, did I see things wrong? Like, how did I handle things? But, yeah, he only has the tape. He can only confide in the tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even after they get Gamble, there's that moment where Antonio just comes running up to him all giddy. And he's like, hey, good job. You got him. Read the room, Antonio. Right. Read the like, room. It's just so bad. Yeah. I just, that was bad. I don't, I don't understand how they can look at the fact that their friend was involved in this officer-involved shooting and just gloss over it. Granted, I'm sure, you know, it's part of the job. But, you know, that's still just, you can't just gloss over it and be like, hey, look, moving on. Kept yeah. something horrible. Like, well, and especially because it's not just like any officer involved shooting, right? It was an officer involved shooting where your friend was almost shot. Like, yeah. where your friend, who's also an officer, was almost shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, Kevin finally looks at the video, and this is when we have one of the best moments between two characters that, like, we've ever had. We have a really good, like, pivotal ruse water moment here where Adam is the only one on the whole team who comes to check on Kevin and just say, are you okay? How are you doing? What can I do? He's the only one. Yeah, and I love that it's, like, Adam, of course, just to check on him, like you said, because of the ruse water of it all. But also, too, because, like, 
And again, it shouldn't necessarily always have to fall on Ruzik and Atwater to have, like, the big race conversations on PD. Yeah. But it has been, and they've been some really great moments. Um, you know, and I think those have been some of the best moments of PD has been the conversations where, like, I think about the one, I think it's the season five premiere where it's, like, Ruzik at, and Atwater at the apartment building, mm. and, like, they're going after the guy they're going after a guy who's black and Ruzik's a little too fast with a gun and it ends up being not the guy who they were looking for anyway and Atwater has a conversation like yo like yeah you can't you can't do that like as a black man you can't like you can't do that to me and Adam's like you know I just want to make sure like we both go home or whatever the conversation is but like you know moments like that that have just really stood out in PD and I think are really important and so this is another one but it and we've talked about this a lot I mean not necessarily as much on the podcast like offline about how, like, it shouldn't necessarily all have to be on Kevin to tell all these stories. Because mm-hmm. he's the only black character on the show. Yeah. So, like, I also think, too, as much as I love the Ruzwater friendship, it shouldn't have to be on Ruzik and Kevin to tell these stories. To tell, like, to have these big, powerful race moments. Right. Right. Like, as good as they are, it shouldn't have to be, like, oh, yep, this is a Ruzwater conversation. Like, it's a race moment. Of course it is. Like... It shouldn't have to be that. Mm-mm. No, no. And I mean, they're fantastic when they happen, but right. Like Brian is saying, it shouldn't all fall on their shoulders. And not that I think any of these characters are racist, but it's a moment where like, if you're only going to show Ruzik having these conversations, you're like, Ooh, I wonder if Jay is as good of an ally as Ruzik is or, Ooh, you know, Antonio didn't handle that, but I'm sure he's fine. But like, we don't know, or I'm sure mm-hmm. he's not a racist, but like, we don't know for sure that Antonio is not because like that was a very insensitive moment he had earlier, you know, like this, those kind of things. And we don't ever see it with other characters. Like, well, how are we going to know? And yeah. And these are some of the new challenges that, you know, await in season eight, whenever it starts. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So in the video, we do see that Daryl did lunge for Doyle's gun, but I mean, Adam says it plain as day. He he tells or he tells Adam he's like, you know, maybe Daryl is lunging for the gun, but it never should have gotten that far. Again, but it never should have gotten that far. Just yep. just so we're all clear, we're all clear. Right. I mean, like we said too, I and mean, we said it in time, Voightville, Kevin, but also too, like I mean, we talked a little bit about this, but like this is just as much on Doyle as it is on anybody. Like, yeah, Voight should have stopped it, and you know. I still blame Voight for his hands in this. But, like, Doyle is just a racist, racist cop and should have never been on the force. And, like, even at one point, too, like, Doyle's had a history of this, right? Using the N-word, like, Mm -hmm. not handling things the way he should have. Like, at this point, he should have not been a cop. But he was. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Doyle is not innocent. Like, I feel like we're putting all the blame on Voight, which, like, Voight deserves the blame. But, like, Doyle is also Doyle. And, like, is a racist cop and, like... There's no sugarcoating that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Doyle is 100% the root of the problem, but Voight, Voight had, Voight almost had a duty, really, to, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like what he told Jay after, um, after he got shot in the crossover when his dad died, he was like, it's my job to keep you alive. Like, yeah, it's your job to keep all your people alive, and you almost didn't do that with Kevin. Like, yeah, you're very lucky that Kevin is still alive and with us, but it very easily could not have been the case. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know. yeah. Yeah. 
I just and I, it took me rewatching this to realize just how problematic Voight's actions are in this episode. For sure. Um, but going back to the Adam and Kevin conversation, like Ruzik has the best response. Oh yeah. Like that he could. I don't remember exactly what the question is, but he. Oh, Kevin's just basically like, "What do you think about it?" And Adam's like, "Well, you know, it's tough to say. Like because I'm white." He's like, and no matter how hard I try or how badly I want to understand what you just experienced, I can't. And I never will. But I got your back always. Either way, I got your back. So Adam is the one person we know for sure who realizes, you know, Kevin just went through something really big. Yeah, and knows that he will never get it because he's white. Yeah. Man. Brian, will you close this out? Yeah, so basically, before the very end, we get, like, one last Kevin and Voight conversation before we figure out, like, what Kevin actually decided to do. And it's, again, like, a lot of Voight telling him, like, trying to be neutral and trying not to, like, sway his decision one way or the other. He very much wants Kevin to make his own decision and, like, say what he knows to be the truth. And he even says, he's like, keep in mind, like, you're a cop. Like, that's what you get paid for, not to change the world. And Kevin's like, I thought that's what we're supposed to do. Like, make the world better. Um, and which is like, you know, remember, this is Chicago. Like, it's not easy to be an idealist. See, but does uh, Hank want Kev to make his own decision, though? Because that first line, when he says, keep in mind, you're a cop. Like, I feel like that carries some weight to it. Right. And I mean, I, I looking back on it, yes. But, like, in his mind, Voight's trying to be neutral and trying to make trying to let Kevin make his own decision but like the word that actually come in his mouth because even too, like keep in mind you're a cop that's what you get paid for not to change the world like that's pretty much the exact opposite of what Price told him to do yeah yeah um, but then we get to the ending and basically we see Doyle sitting at a bar that's not Molly's I don't know what bar it is but it's not Molly's and Kevin walks in and they have a conversation. And from that, we learned that, like, Kevin t- decided to tell, like, his truth. That, like, the guy, I, I think as much as it pains him to admit it, like, the guy, Doyle made a good shoot. Mm-hmm. You know. It shouldn't have never gotten that far. But, like, Daryl did lunge after his gun. And, you know, Doyle, unfortunately, had every right to shoot Daryl. I, yeah, I, I don't know. As much as it pains me to say that, and I don't agree with that, Mm -hmm. that's what is true, unfortunately. I feel like Kev, I feel like Kev followed his heart, though. I feel like he wouldn't say that if he didn't believe it himself. But I think, I agree with that in this moment. Mm -hmm. But, like, then go back to 720, and, like, I think Kevin's probably regretting saying that. Uh, probably only because he sees now that Doyle got promoted. Right. And then Doyle didn't change. Nothing about Doyle changed. Yeah. And he ultimately ended up getting another innocent black guy killed. Mm-hmm. So I think I think now I think he's okay with the decision he made. Uh, but I think probably looking back on it and everything after 720, I'm sure he regrets this. Yeah. For sure. Um, but so then basically like... <laughs> Kevin's like, not that Kevin's like, you owe me, but Kevin's just like, well, now it's my turn to get revenge. And he basically takes Doyle out back and starts punching him. And he tells him, he's like, you know, you put a gun to my head. Like, you may not go down for that murder, but I will get your badge one way or the other. 
But at the end of the day, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I, I love that we saw this through too, but I mean, it's almost ironic that Kev doesn't get his badge. I mean, the thing that takes Doyle down is his own racism. Like his racism is his downfall. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think we don't really know what's going to happen, but like the way at least 720 ends, like it's kind of ironic that Doyle's badge is gonna, you know, come after Kevin, you know, with by extending like the fact that Doyle's dead and Doyle's family and all the people that he loves in the PD are coming after Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of ironic now too in that regard. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So we had a couple of questions and comments from some of our listeners. Um, we did have a question from our listener, Emily, and she just asked from the first time that we recorded this episode, she said, you know, did Kevin do the right thing in saying it was a good shoot? And Bryna, you said yes, right? I mean, it's hard, right? Because like the right thing, I think, I mean, I... It's hard because, like, I don't believe it was the right shoot. I don't think anybody, any officer shooting, especially of an innocent man, like, that, Mm -hmm. you know, in a situation they should have never been in the first place. Like, I don't think that's right. Um, But, like, if Kevin believes that, like, it was a good shoot, then he did the right thing by saying it was a good shoot. Yeah. Yeah. If that's truly what Kevin believes, then, like, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think I think that's my answer too. I think it's I think I I go with whatever Kevin thinks. Like if, if Kevin thinks that it's a good shoot, then it's a good shoot. If Kevin's not okay with it, then I'm not okay with it either. Right. And I didn't want him to lie just for the sake of like the movement or trying to, you know, bring Doyle down or whatever. Like you said, like Doyle he was gonna go after Doyle's badge one or the other, and like we said, in seven twenty we see that Doyle's racism is ultimately what takes him down anyway. Right. So Right. right. So but I am glad, though, that we, looking back on it and, like, answering that question and, like, thinking about what Kevin said, that, like, he will go for Doyle's badge. I'm glad that they gave us 720 and that maybe they're going to continue to show us a little bit more of this storyline in the beginning of season eight. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I think just, I think it just makes this episode all that more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I this they they've got to navigate a lot of uncharted stuff in season eight. It's gonna be wild. Yeah, I yeah. So crazy. Um, we also got a message from Morgan, and she said, you know, this was such an emotional episode. Larissa did a great job telling the story that needed its time in the spotlight. Um, she said, you know, I think throughout the show, Kevin struggled being a police officer and being black and trying to navigate both communities. And yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And I agree with that. But then that kind of goes back to like our conversation we were just having a second ago or, and like my point about the fact that like it shouldn't all have to be on Kevin. Right. Because like as much as Kevin does a great job and Larissa does a really good job of showing this experience, it's still only one experience. Right. And, like, something I was thinking about, too, was, like, and I don't know if they would ever do this. I would, it'd be very, it would be very, they'd have to do this very cautiously. But, like, what if this was Ruzik and Doyle's situation? Mm-hmm. And not necessarily that it was being racist, but, you know, shot an innocent black man. Right. Or, like, what if this was Jay? Or what if it was even Antonio? Like, what if it was somebody else mm-hmm. that wasn't Kevin? Like, I would love to see them try to tackle that story. Um, But, yeah, I think you just need more 
lack representation on the show, especially if you're going to try to keep telling these stories. Because, like, like I said, as much as Kevin and LaRoyce playing Kevin, like, kills it, like, it's still only one side. It is, yeah. It is still only one side. I, I Yeah. I, I, think, I think really all three shows have some work to do in terms of amplifying black voices and black stories and, you know. Well, and even just beyond black stories, like Latinx stories. Bingo, yeah. And, you know, like Asian stories. Like, obviously, like, I'm thinking on Med, like, you have Ethan Choi, but, like, I don't think they've done anything to acknowledge the fact that Ethan is. I don't, I'm gonna, I don't want to say the wrong heritage. So I'm not going to try to guess, but, like, they've done nothing to show us ex- that. Amplify that, yeah. Right. Amplify his voice, right? You know, like you and like you have, you know, April on Med, and you have Ritter mm-hmm. on Fire, but like you don't really have anyone else. Oh, well, you've um, Joe, you've Cruz on Fire, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like they've done nothing to amplify those voices and like those cultures or anything like. That. And I think that moving forward, I think that really has to. They have to do better on that too. Yeah. So. Any other notes on this episode? No, but I like in our old outline when I was going back through this, at the time we'd said this was the best episode PD's ever done, and I still think that holds true. I still think this is I mean, as much as I still loved 720, I still think this is better than 720. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I agree with you. And um I think episodes like infection and things like that for entertainment's purposes are strong, but this right. one this one takes the cake in terms of like because of the magnitude for sure right this is still... i mean yeah i think for sure i think this is still the best episode pd's ever done i think infection for what infection is supposed to be right in terms of crossover work is still the best crossover they'll probably ever do i mean who knows what they'll do next season or the seasons after to come but like yeah that's a very different category and i would still put this above that i, I completely agree i completely completely agree and i think that I think that us taking a second look at this and and seeing what the other characters are doing and and recognizing that hey this is a problem this is bad I think that shows that our work is paying off that we are we are listening with open ears open eyes we're doing the work and you know we're learning yeah we still obviously have a long way to go but yeah like I said I and it's kind of crazy to think about because I thought we were still doing a pretty good job and, like, we were still, I mean, I guess decent, maybe not even that great, like, allies last year. Like, I thought I understood this episode last year, and I think mm-hmm. I did, but, like, obviously the world has changed a lot since then. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm proud of, I'm glad we, I'm glad I've gone back and watched this episode since everything that's happened. Same. Same. So, I think that is about all we've got. So, uh. As always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. Uh, meet us at Molly's right across the board. Um, email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Literally anything, guys. I mean, it is rough times in the world. It is a scary, uncertain, crazy time. So, I mean, literally, message us about anything. Um, if you want to rant about anything, go for it. What you're watching, you know, you can rant about that too. I am currently binging The Americans. Brino, what are you watching right now? I am picking up where I left off on Lucifer. Okay. Now that they've announced when the new season's coming back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should pick that up before that airs again. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, anything you guys want to talk about anytime, our inbox really is a safe space. You guys can message us anytime about anything. Um, we got to stick together right now. It's just, it's a, it's a really, really 
crazy unprecedented times. It, it's a time that I never really thought I would see in my 30 plus years on the planet. So it's crazy. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. We are taking next week off because not only do Bryna and I share a brain, but we tend to do things on the same calendar. <laughs> um, we're both moving to yeah. different locations, uh, just like the last time we both moved because we did it in the same week. Yeah, I mean, I'm moving a few days after you. and I'm not technically moving next week, but I will be packing up my apartment next week. But yeah. Yeah, so we're going to take next week off, but we will be back the week after next um and yeah we'll 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 figure out something to talk about then and in the meantime you know you guys wear a mask wash your hands be kind to one another i just quoted ellen but you know just just take it easy on yourselves take care of yourselves check on your friends all that good stuff so um everybody have a good weekend and we will catch you later bye